This is Demarcio James, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the majestic one, Misty Marks, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. This is the biggest name in Australian wrestling, the J-Stick, JXT, and you're watching Wrestling with Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show at Wrestling with Entertainment, bringing you the latest exclusive breaking news, proving and reviewing the latest shows from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and everything in between, every Saturday, and interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Wednesday on YouTube and CastBox, sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One. I am, of course, your host, James J, alongside Calico Yachts and Scooter Dust. Good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. And it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with the biggest name in Australia, J-Stick, J-X-T. <laughs> What's going on? How are you, man? I'm good, I'm great, I'm... I'm busy, but busy is good. Busy means things are happening, which is awesome, even if I am down here in Australia. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Also, busy is fantastic. And uh, how are you keeping busy right now? Uh, between running um, the Relentless School of Pro Wrestling here in Melbourne, um, running our own promotion, Mayhem Pro, and myself trying to be a wrestler, on top of having to work a real job, um, I'm pretty bloody busy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> And uh, where can we find you on social media and uh, some merchandise as well? Uh, at JXT, three letters, uh, at JXT underscore official on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, for merch, uh, you can go to wrestlermerch.com. I think it's, I'll have a store on there. It's like for wrestling tees, but for Australia. Um, if you go to wrestlermerch.com and search JXT, I'll be right in the middle of it. And of course, you don't even have to look for it. All of it will be uh, in the description of the video below, both on, uh, uh, on YouTube and CastBox. There you go. Yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, you work for Deathmatch Down Under. Can you tell us about your relationship with the company? Yeah, so Deathmatch Down Under started to middle of 2019. It sort of started happening and then... Um, there was plans for it. I wasn't really initially factored into Deathmatch Down Under at the start, but um, I sort of pitched them on idea and they went with it. And I was just sort of, all right, we'll give this a crack. And then slowly but surely, I think with a bit of my work ethic and um, I think it's my professionalism and uh, the results on the board, you know, more bookings kept coming. And now I, I'm almost on every show and I'd like to say, you know, I've wrestled for them more, more than I have any promotion in the last two years. You know, during COVID, they've, made a you know made a lot of work to keep running and keep running shows which has been awesome for me as a wrestler like having shows to work for and um yeah they've been a great staple of wrestling in australia here for the last two years so it's safe to say that uh joel bateman is very fond of you um he is joel <laughs> and joel will tell you himself we've had an up and down relationship with times but um i guess that's almost also a victim of being in such a small wrestling scene here in melbourne or I guess we're all sort of, we are sort of a, a bubble and um, there's only so much happening and there's only so many spots. So when you're like, we both are and you're hungry and you have certain things you want to do and get it, 
you know, um, that's bound to happen. But Joel's always, you know, put the best business first and looked out for me, especially in this um, these most recent times. Um, yeah, so I definitely have a good relationship with Joel over the last decade. That's fantastic. We love Joel. We've had him on the yeah. show before. Yeah. yeah um, Joel's been killing it lately, and I know Deathmatch Down Under is really one of – it's Joel's baby, and Deathmatch Wrestling is something Joel – Joel's been doing for years, but it wasn't something that was accepted necessarily for years or accepted yes. by a lot of others, right. uh, especially in Australia. Yes. It was very frowned upon, oh. and there was a lot of... Yes. We went over yeah. the controversy in a pre- in the previous interview about the, uh, the, the deathmatch incident that almost ruined deathmatch wrestling and indie wrestling in Australia. Yeah. Um, that, that, I think that, can, that council or that, yeah, that area still won't allow wrestling units council. Um, yeah, it's Australia. So uh, has a weird culture in the sense of they're very big to say wrestling's fake, but the second it got a little real, um, everywhere we, we call ourselves the nanny state in the sense of we, we don't like to be called that, but um, we overreact and try to overprotect ourselves from things, right? Which is great in some senses when you look at things like guns are illegal, and you know we have strong you know strong laws on certain things. But then on the flip side, we were the most locked-down country in the world with COVID. And um, mm-hmm. when it comes to things like wrestling, oh, you know, someone got hurt. We better stop that instantly. So, yeah, there's ups and downs to it. And it was definitely a big risk. So bringing back Deathmatch Wrestling, Joel knew and the whole Deathmatch and the team knew that it had to be done properly, had to be done safely. Uh, proper things like getting, you know, blood tests, having the medical team at every show, making sure the ring is clean and sweeped and that everything is, you know... In the the most safe working environment for us to run deathmatch shows. And you mentioned that you know you um down in Australia, um it seems like you kind of got the pandemic later on. Like at the beginning of everything, Australia was running shows. They were kind of the only place running shows, and then kind of going into the tail end of twenty twenty, going into. 2021, things kind of started to lock down. Where yeah. is pandemic wrestling now in Australia? Well, for a little while there, I thought we were going to get very lucky and I thought Australia would be the only place running wrestling shows because everywhere else seemed to be locking down and we had locked down first and it looked like we were going to come out of it first. But then, sadly, Australia went back into lockdown and locked down longer than anyone. But, um, we are, I guess you could definitely say, out of lockdown now and restrictions have finally been eased to the point of there's no limit restrictions on shows or things like that. But um, oh, being Australia, like I said, we're a nanny state. We like to protect things. So there is always the risk that, it, you know, all you need is a little outbreak of another strain and we'll be back in all lockdown. So there's always that fear. Right. And then Joel is stuck here <laughs> and he'll be running that nice down under. Yeah, well, yeah, that could be a possibility, you know. <laughs> Joel's very lucky, and there's a nice big team at Deathmatch down under in the management, so um, well, I'm sure he'll be fine in that aspect. Uh, Scooter, you have a question. Now, uh, elaborating more on that whole, you know, Deathmatch stigma in Australia, first, how in the world does a death match and in a no contest. Wrestling <laughs> stoppage is one thing, but this was stopped 
by the Anti-Deathmatch Party. And, you know, it's been a bit of time since we had Joel on, but is the Anti-Deathmatch Party sort of an inside joke or parody of those who attempted to get rid of Deathmatch wrestling in Australia? Um, I'll do it, Jeff Jarrett. A lot of unpack here. So, um, <laughs> the first step would be, how does it end in a no contest? I guess yeah. um, when there's a, a whole team of people, like they make, you know, they clear out the ring and there's, I just I just got out of Dodge. I'm like, I'm just getting out of here. And uh, you're right. It really shouldn't have ended in no contest. But if, you know, I've left the building and Carl's <laughs> been laid out by other people, I guess I could have snuck in and got the pin. But if they weren't going to let me, I guess the show's got to end eventually, right? Um, yeah, originally, I think, I don't know if it was created as a rib because there was a lot of backlash from a lot of people within wrestling and even fans at times um, here in, especially Victoria, our state of Australia, that, yeah, they didn't want this deathmatch company to start. They didn't want deathmatches, period. Right. Um, which is frustrating because I had just come back from multiple tours of the States and like, no, you guys don't understand. GCW is the biggest thing. And although GCW Game Changer is not only deathmatches, like I wrestled there, I never did a deathmatch. But a huge part of it is deathmatch wrestling. And deathmatch wrestling as a whole, when you see ICW and all these other promotions and what they've done, it's like, it's a big thing, a big part of wrestling. Why in Australia are we, like, trying to stay, like, in the 1980s, which has always been a problem here. Australians, for some reason, in wrestling, we get stuck in traditions and no one wants to adapt. And they're like, oh, but oh, but it's but, but this isn't America. And it's like, well, why is it not as good? <laughs> like, you know? So I don't know if it was started as a rib, but I could definitely see it being like, oh, we're going to, you know, play a rib on those who were anti-deathmatch. But I guess if you have a company like that, that is heavy, de- heavily, heavily into the deathmatches, um, yeah, I think having an anti-deathmatch party is always going to be a great antagonist, is it not? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, just to capitalize on, you mentioned wrestling in the States. I believe you actually uh, performed at a promotion, the the promotion where I trained and broke in the NYWC in a joint show with Outlaw Wrestling. That's right. Yeah, I, did. Uh, I did. I did go out there. What, uh, what was your opinion of the NYWC and the people that run it? Um, well, I, um, I was, I knew Bull Dempsey or Bull James, um, yeah, from tours of Australia. He did when he was out here and it was always great to me. And I was out there working for a show for Crowbar. Um, and Bull Bull rocks up backstage. Hey man, he's like, dude, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me you were here? And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't, you know, I posted it online, but I didn't want to message everyone and be like, hey, you know, dude, I've got these, I've got this show, you know, I'll put you on it. Like, what dates have you got, you know? And Bull was great to me. So, um, yeah, every, my whole dealings with NYWC and that whole thing was a breeze and awesome. You know, we did Outlaw Wrestling. We ran in a brewery. I had an awesome match. I actually teamed up with Shazza McKenzie. That's where Shaz XT was formed. That was our first ever booking together. And, um, yeah, now then. Like, I guess it was sort of an offshoot of NYWC, but like, um, yeah, I still got to do it, and um, it was a, it was a good time. All right. Now that kind All of right. brings us up uh, to uh, the the most recent match you had. Um, were you uh, against Saza? Were you tore your hamstring? 
Oh, yeah. What did you tell us about that? What happened there? So, she knocked me off the apron as I was one leg in the ring. And because I had one leg, like, through the ropes, Ooh. as I've been knocked off, and I didn't know what was coming, I'm sort of trying to get my leg out and not fall on my head. And they, because it's a deathmatch promotion, we have tarp down because the venue we were in had very expensive carpet. Okay. So we had this full tarp down, and I normally bring a white claw with me to the ring, and I drink it and spit it in the air. But because I was knocked, and because of the way I opened it, I'm never opening it and spraying it everywhere again. I'm only going to spray it from my mouth so it doesn't go everywhere. Because when, when I got knocked, the drink fell out of my hand as well. So there's all this white claw on the tarp, and as I didn't know how to fall, and I'm trying to get my leg caught in the ring, my legs land, and my left leg just slips forward on the drink. Oh. And I do, I, I, my body attempts to do the splits, but I physically can't, Ooh. hence my hamstring just tore, Ooh. and I had a grade two tear. I actually went to the physio today, my third appointment since, and um, the rehab's going well. The um, it's all coming along, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna make a full recovery. But the last two shows that I had to wrestle the last two weeks was definitely a struggle. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in if you're not completely injured, you always make your dates, you work around your injuries, and you, you make it work. Even if you have to, you know, not might not have the most athletic match, you still give the fans everything, and you add to the story the best you can. So I've still been wrestling with it and doing what I can. But yeah, finishing that match with Shazza. Um, it was the death match down under Malice at the Palace. It, um, yeah, that, I was proud of that, <laughs> being able to finish it like that. I, I would say finish it. I would say start, because that was the, literally the start of the match that happened. So yeah. you, you tore your hamstring, and then you have a full-fledged match after that. I can't imagine yeah. like you wasn't in like a lot of pain. Oh, no, I was in a lot of pain. <laughs> And you'll see me, especially right after it happens, I try to stand up and I can't. And then I try to stand on the second rope and I can't. And even when I, I gave Shazza a superplex and I had one leg on the top rope. And in my head, I said, nah, just go from one leg on the second. Your legs, you hurt yourself. And then in my head, I said, fuck it. Don't be a little bitch. And I put my foot on the top rope and went bang. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things like I didn't, there wasn't a single spot I didn't, I missed. I still did everything like I wanted to. Sure, it might have been. I might have looked a little a little slower. I know I can tell when I watch it back, but I guess still gave it my all. I was sitting as deep as I could in the sharpshooter with a torn hamstring. So um, yeah, I was proud of being able to finish that and still give the fans everything in that match. And uh, I noticed that your ring gear, um, hot inspired. Yeah, so I um, I actually got the jacket first. During lockdown, I don't know, so I found a jacket somewhere that had these white flames on it. And because we were in lockdown, I decided to paint it myself. And when I turned heel, I'd sort of stripped back all the color and was just black and white because previously I was always purple. And I stripped back all the color and then I was getting too bored of it. So I, um, <laughs> I started, I was like, nah, if I'm going to add a color, I'm like, if, you're, if I'm arrogant and I'm cocky and I'm in this bright, like, elaborate pink, it's going to be more annoying. So, um, so I went. With, I made the flames pink, and although they were very different on the jackets of Bret Hart flames, when I got new tights made, I was like, "Shit, I'm not going to copy Bret Hart and do the exact same on the back and the stuff." But they're very similar, um, and yeah, like Bret's Bret's the fucking best. You know, I can't stress how good Bret is, and such an inspiration. And being a kid watching wrestling in the nineties, um, yeah, Bret was huge to my childhood and everything I've done. 
Uh, Scudo, you have a question. Okay. Don't forget the Burger King question. You mean the Hungry Jack's question, James? Oh, yeah. You can, and you can actually ask him that question because he knows what you're talking about. Oh. Ooh, there's, there, there's a few Australian exclusive questions, but... And I know James wanted to ask this, so you know what, James, I think I'm going to let you ask the question we were discussing before, and then I will follow up. Are we talking about the death match? Are we talking about yeah. the wrestling figure death match? Oh, yes. <laughs> Could you tell us about the wrestling figure death match against Damian Rivers <laughs> and just... Anything you could tell us about that match. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, for those who are unaware, if you follow me on social media, um, I have a vlog on YouTube. I've um, I've always been. I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling Ooh. figure collector. Um, I'm not don't so much buy so many now. I only buy sort of throwbacks. I always say like I started wrestling in 2011, so that's when my being a fan sort of stops for me. So I don't sort of collect merchandise and stuff after them. But, um, yeah, I have a huge wrestling figure collection and so does Damien Rivers. So um, we had this idea for, like, because I was never a big deathmatch guy as it was. I'd always done hardcore matches and stuff, but never, nothing too crazy. But as you're in deathmatch down under, it's inevitable if you're there every show, it's eventually going to happen. And I'm up for anything almost, so right. I'll make it work for my realms. And we were like, all right, JC, you're pretty well known that you have a massive wrestling figure collection, and so does Damien. Damien's is way bigger than mine, but I think I'm just more public about mine. And um, they always draw parallels. They're like, you're the Matt Cardona of Australia as nah. in a wrestling collection. <laughs> you do a vlog. You do. I used to, I do a YouTube show. Um, I always get introduced to with my followers. I think I have. I have. Well, I'm, I'd say I'm the biggest name in Australian wrestling, but like my followers. Um, is one of the biggest of the Australian wrestlers, as in like my um, Instagram followers. So it was the parallels between myself in Australia and Cardona and WWE, or now the Indies, I guess, were very similar. I'm mean, on a much smaller scale, obviously. So there was a lot of that about it. And um, we were like, well, you two are big wrestling figure guys. Like, what would, like, the only thing that would lure JXT into a, into a death match would be if someone would say that they had a big, better wrestling figure collection than you, or they were the better collector. So the idea was that JXT is so full of himself that if you dare say that he is a lesser wrestling figure collection or he's not as good as a collector, he will fight you in the ultimate match for wrestling figure supremacy, the wrestling figure death match. And, um, yeah, that's how that came about. And you can watch it for free on YouTube if you actually look at it. Yes, and I highly Ooh. recommend that match. Uh, and obviously it was for the... Uh, the um... The wrestling figure the, belt as well. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. The wrestling figure collecting championship, which was uh, another toy. But, like, they, it all just added, you know, because I think Deathmatch Down Under, especially that time, had been very, like, this is serious Deathmatches. And a lot of the naysayers would be like, oh, it's garbage wrestling. I was like, well, I'm going to take this a different route. We're going to have a Deathmatch that's very serious, but it's also going to be about something comical, like a wrestling figure collecting title, which is a toy belt. Yes. And the match started off with us trying to rummage through the figures and then we were having the, a, a trade-off with the figures, punching each other within our hands. But then it got real serious real quick, you know. He tried to put cling wrap around my mouth. I smashed light tubes on over, my, over his head. He powerbombed me through light tubes. We slammed each other on the figures. So 
it really told that story of, hey, this is also a fun show, but it's going to get serious as well. So I'm pretty proud of that one as well. One of my personal favorite parts of that match was you channeling your inner Hulk Hogan with the figure. <laughs> just doing That's right. The I grabbed the big, the big LJN Hogan and I did a big leg drop with him under my leg. Yeah. <laughs> but if anyone had those LJN figures, they're big yeah. rubber blocks. They're rock solid. So yeah. taking a leg drop with one of them, far out. I can't believe yeah. you kicked out. Really, those uh, are like blocks. They, they could really do yeah. some damage to those figures. Yeah, big time they could. Yeah. That's why I was surprised you kicked out. I, I had the Ricky Steamboat and the Andre the Giant one. Oh, the Andre was huge. Yes. Yeah. Uh, junkyard dog. But, um, yes, that leads me to uh, these follow-ups. I uh, had a big figure collection. I have since passed it down to my nephew. But I had one that I consider the crown jewel of my collection. What would you say is the rarest figure in your collection? Oh, great question. Um, I have a lot of the ringside exclusive Mattel, uh, like NWO figures, like the Macho Mm. Man Wolfpack, the Sting Wolfpack, the Scott Hall uh, Hollywood. But I have a few... um, WCW Toy Biz figures from Series 1, the Smash and Slams in the box. And I have the Black Pants DDP variant in the small packaging, which is a little hard to find. I also have the KB Toys exclusive Goldberg, which has a KB Toys exclusive singlet and a big-ass dumbbell that's apparently from an X-Men figure. But um, being a KB Toys exclusive WCW figure from 1999... um, yeah, there wasn't too many of them going around, or at least still in the packaging like like mine is. But um, they're probably my rarest ones. I don't. I'm not a big spender. Like I try and keep my collecting habit addiction <laughs> um, quite cheap. Mm. But um, yeah, definitely my Smash and Slam mint on card collection is something I'm pretty mm. proud of. Uh, my my crown jewels were the uh, Galoob, Jerry Sags, and Ric Flair. With the purple tights, mm-hmm. the, the vibrating giant. <laughs> you push you push the button on the side; it would vibrate. Oh, I know about um, the vibrators. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> but probably most of all, and, and that one I don't think a lot of people know even existed was a Jack specific Ultimate Warrior from '96. Oh, is this the green trunks one? Because I've I've got one of those too, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it, they're like aquamarine almost. Nah, so there's the aqua, the aqua blue one is coming. I think series one or two, series two, bone crunches. But there was a green trunks one that came yeah, in a this, Toys R Us exclusive box set. Yeah, this was not a uh, bone cruncher. This was before the bone crunchers. Was it the statue? No, um, oh God, it, it was it, it was it had Warrior in that set. Brett, Sean, um, God, I, I you sure it's not a bone cruncher. It, you know what? It may it may have been, it may have been a bone cruncher. I don't because um, yeah, I'm thinking it's a unless yeah, Jack Specific didn't do anything before the bone crunchers. Yeah, but uh, I know what we're talking about the blue one. I think yes. there's a bone cruncher of The Rock. 
and you you twist his arm and he says, "Oh, you're breaking the rock's arm. Oh, you're breaking the rock's." Arm. <laughs> you yeah. might be talking about those back talking slammers or something. Like that. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. I just remember. Yeah. No, I don't, uh, I don't feel like I have any ones that are like really significant. I have uh, Shawn Michaels in the Hulk Hogan deal from that skit he did from the um, yeah. Really when he's all dressed up. Yeah, I have one of those. I have um, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan from the Mattel collection. I have all the oh, original no. Mattel, the first release ones. So, not really, like, you know, uh, I have um, a Crown Joel one, but I have a massive collection of figures right now. <laughs> no, I feel you. I'm always looking to downsize. I've started selling some at shows at the merch table. Hmm. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Buying a wrestling figure from a wrestler. Yeah, plus I think when you're at a show, people are more inclined to be like, inter- like they're at a show, they're in, the, they're in the mood for wrestling. I think they'll be more inclined to be like, oh, wow, like, and, mm-hmm. and they can buy wrestling figures. They're more introduced to it, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I once bought a shirt from somebody I didn't realize who turned out to be Damien Demento at an NYWC show. Oh, there you go. So, yep. Yeah, I get that feeling. Yep. Well, I don't know. If you guys are in the like, New York, New Jersey area, I'm yep, pretty sure you might be angry at me for saying this. He, uh, he kayfabes it. But selling wrestling figures often with a, with a stall... At the um, at local indie shows is ECW's Roadkill, but he will sometimes yeah. pay fave that he is Roadkill. Yes, and uh, there's, <laughs> also, there's also the uh, the Wrestling Universe yes, uh, run by Jack Jack Sabbath, who uh, is is quite well used to be quite well known on the indie scene when he used to run shows. Now he just runs the store. Yeah, yeah, he runs a great store. Uh, can you tell us about GXTV? Uh, so, um, again, being in Australia, it went off. I think, I can't even remember when I started. I think it was about seven years ago now. Um, just getting your name out there when I was young, like starting, like being in Australia, we, <laughs> the amount of shows I've wrestled on that weren't even filmed, let alone have been filmed and the footage gone nowhere used to piss me off like I would wrestle every second week and I wouldn't it wouldn't go on YouTube it wouldn't be online for anyone to watch now luckily DMDU's on IWTV I know my promotion Mayhem Pro I'm going home to edit the footage tonight um, we, we put our full shows on YouTube for free because I just want my students to be able to show their friends to show people or to send it to promoters or even if they want to go to WWE or New Japan or AEW they can send footage of their match be like here's the YouTube link here's my match whereas when I started in Australia, they were selling. You were lucky if you got a, if the DVDs were available at the show. They would film them, and it would be hidden on the promoter's computer, and they wouldn't let anyone have the footage because they own it, and no one would see it. So I started JXTV as a way. A few like uh, independent independent wrestlers at the time were doing it. Um, it was a bit before be, being the elite, but like doing vlogs was like a thing. So I was like, cool, and I jumped on it, and it was just a way to be like, hey get more, get myself out there, get more eyeballs on who I am. Um, and yeah, I'll just start vlogging my show days. The first ones are a bit rough. Um, but I recently did a best of the first 100 episodes and I did it like a best of 
it goes for like an hour. It took me ages, but I was in lockdown with nothing to do. And it was a good retrospective of my career and sort of things that had happened over time. Um, it probably got me in more trouble than it didn't because promoters again would be like, don't film at my show. Why are you filming? Uh, you're using footage, our footage on your show. I'm like, no, I filmed everything on my phone. But like that was Australia not progressing, I guess. But um, yeah, it was just, it started as a way to get my name out there and connect with fans. And I think it still does that to this day. So. That, you know, promoters would kind of, if, you know, if you have a following and you're on the on their show, then isn't that good exposure for their show as well? Well, yeah, the smart promoters that understood would, and um, I'll have often some promoters be like, hey, um, I want to fly you in, I want to put you on my show, um, and as part of the deal, can you do a JXTV as part of your trip? And I'm oh. like, yeah, of course, um, which is great. It's a great selling point for me. But yeah, a smart promoter would. It's like. Why would a promoter not capitalize on extra exposure? It makes no sense. But we had some old-time promoters or even just promoters over here in Australia that just didn't understand the business. We still have that. They run shows that don't go online and no one can ever watch them. But they would be like, oh, we own the footage on this show, so you can't film at the show. And it's like, this is a TV taping for something that never went on TV. So, um, yeah, I just remember a lot of crap like that. But luckily now I'm in a position, I guess where I can pick and choose where I wrestle. And if something promoter is going to be like that, I can just tell them to go stick it. And, uh, Scooter, do you have a follow-up question pertaining to uh, social media and whatnot? Yes. Now, you put a lot into your social media presence, more so than I think we've seen in any of the guests we've had here on Wrestling With. How important do you think it is that talent make their way, making their way through the business today, in today's day and age, be in the know about social media and and its impact on their career? Uh, yeah, well, it's funny when people say to me, "Oh, like like you just said, you know," which is a compliment. You know, you put more effort into your social media game than anyone else we have. Like to me, I think I should be doing more. Like what I'm doing, I think should be the standard. Everyone should be doing that. Because if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And if people aren't thinking of you and promoters aren't seeing what you're doing and other wrestlers aren't seeing what you're doing and fans aren't seeing what you're doing, no one cares because no one sees it. So as a local, like as an independent wrestler, especially, again, being in Australia, trying to build a following and to just to get recognized, to try and make a living of this in some form, you know, you need to get your name out there. And I always tell my students at the Relentless School of Pro Wrestling coming in, I'm like, if you don't have Twitter, you're not a pro wrestler. Sorry. <laughs> that's my opinion. Um, but our other trainers have a different opinion, and I think that's what makes is one of the best things of our school is uh, what, what JXT says isn't the fucking, isn't everything you have to do. You can pick and choose which bits and take different advice from different trainers, which is great. Um, but, yeah, I'm big on that, like, uh, you need to have social media. You need to have a strong presence. And if a promoter Googles you, whether it be Vince McMahon or fucking the local promoter at a festival, they should Google you or search you on Twitter or search you on Instagram, and they should be able to get a snapshot of who you are and what you're about. And um, and like I think like you guys said about the JXTV adding exposure and adding a following to a show, it's the same as someone's social media. When we promote shows, I, when it's between choosing talent A or talent B on who to book, I go, all right, who has the most followers? Because if one person doesn't use their social media and one person has a thousand followers, well, then a thousand people are going to see him being announced on the show and the other wrestler's not going to have anything. 
So I'm very big on, you know, you, social media is such a tool and it wasn't what it was when I started wrestling. So the fact that it's there now and Twitter is so big in, in the wrestling scene, like all you need to do is have is to take off on Twitter with not necessarily one GIF because one GIF isn't a connection. But I know like Joey Janela, who I learned so much just hanging around him, his promos and his videos that he did with GCW and he about his loss in New York and his spring breaks, like all those promo videos and his connecting with the audience he did, that's what helped him rise. And I don't understand why more people aren't doing it. But, yeah, the social media game is very important because it's gotten me a lot of opportunities too. And I know firsthand that I've been told, we booked you because of, you did this on social media or we saw that or you have this many followers or we've seen you do this. We would like that on our show too. And it's self-promoting 101. And that's what we all should be doing as independent wrestlers. And, uh, all right. I'm hoping that one of the things that Joey didn't teach you was uh, magic. <laughs> I've seen him perform some magic. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you don't want a fireball in your face. <laughs> oh. No, well, at least not. Yeah, at least not a real fireball. Fireball the drink, maybe. <laughs> um. Now you uh, you've mentioned it quite a bit. Uh, can you tell us about uh, your pro wrestling school, uh, Relentless? Um, so I've just gotten here now, the Relentless School of Pro Wrestling. We're located west of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. Um, so, yeah, we um, there's no wrestling school out of our area of the state. There's no there's The closest wrestling school with a working ring is about an hour away. So we thought we're not stepping on anyone else's toes. Um, Jake Navarro, one of the other trainers, had a gym, and he wanted a bigger gym. He's a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, and he said, um, if I get a bigger gym... I need to make a few extra hundred dollars on rent. And my other friend, the Big Rig Fox, professional wrestler as well, he had a ring. So Jake said to us, if we put Phil's ring in it, or Fox's ring in the, in the gym, the new gym, and we run a wrestling school, I'll make the extra few hundred bucks I need to uh, run my personal training business. The school will pay for itself, and we can start a wrestling school like we always wanted to. So I didn't feel qualified at the time, but there was a few things that sort of happened um, that throughout the idea of it coming about that sort of made me feel, yeah, I maybe am a bit more qualified than I thought. And luckily we've been running for two years now. And um, yeah, with some of our students who have been wrestling for some of them been wrestling for a year and you know, they've been doing great and we've heard nothing but good things from promoters and um, fans about the wrestlers we've been helping train. And it's been a great outlet for me. I love it. I come here three nights a week, sometimes more. And um, yeah, we train it pretty much every weeknight. And, um, so, and even on the weekends. And, yeah, it's just great to have a safe place and create an atmosphere. And just, like, even the social media stuff I was just talking to you about, um, like, just teaching that to people because, like, I might not go any further in wrestling. Like, this might be as far as I go. So I always tell our students, learn from my mistakes so you don't have to make them and then take everything I know and add to it because then it might help more Australians locally where I am make it or make a better but make wrestling better because our whole goal is to make wrestling where we live which is here in victoria australia make wrestling where we live better so if we can help train people help give people more skills and help people refine their wrestling and help put on shows and lead by example then you know we're doing we're leaving wrestling in a better place than it was when we found it which is the goal and what's a couple of names from your school that we should be looking out for um big dude energy is 
uh, a tag team here in Australia. They've been on Deathmatch Down Under a fair bit. Big Dave and Ricky Gilmore have been quite... Uh, have, they've taken the local wrestling scene by storm here in Australia and been doing really well. Um, James Bolton is another one. Uh, Bruce Buchanan's been doing really well. Um, Broderick Valentine and Natasha Valentine. Uh, although didn't, they didn't start wrestling with us, they start, the second our school opened, they moved over and we've been helping them refine. Again, we didn't train them from scratch. We just, you know, helped refine like them and taught them some things we know. And, um, yeah, there's a couple of the names. You can find most of them on DMDU and especially on Mayhem Pro. All right. Um, now, Scooter, you have uh, two questions for, that's exclusively for Australians from Australia. Yes. So, I ask all Australian, all of our Australian guests, are you familiar with a comedian named Isaac Butterfield? Uh, the name rings a bell, but I don't. If, if I saw him down the street, uh, I wouldn't recognize him. Okay, so we can uh, we can skip <laughs> that. I'll apologize. My pop culture in general uh, is very poor. I don't watch yeah. any movies. And when people always ask, how don't you know this person? How haven't you seen this movie? I'm like, well, no. I, fucking, I watch wrestling. <laughs> no. no, no worries whatsoever. <laughs> and, of course... Burger King here in the States is not Burger King down in Australia because it's not. It's Hungry Jacks. Yep. Yeah, Hungry Jacks, man. Hungers or H-Days. We nickname everything in Australia, which I had to remember I'm speaking to an American audience here because, yeah, we nickname everything. We shorten all our words. I um, I lived with Kevin Matthews for three months. and he. Oh. Really? KM? Yeah. yeah, I was sleeping on his... I slept on his couch for my last American tour. And, um... Yeah, I just... We nickname everything like we call McDonald's Maccas. <laughs> um, so everything I would shorten, he'd be like, Yo, what the fuck is that? Like, what are you saying? Um, in the big lab KM voice. But yeah, Hungry Jacks, we would call Hungers or HJs. So I tried Burger King when I was in the States. Um, when I was a kid, we did have some Burger Kings, but Burger King and Hungry Jacks were the same. But some franchises were Burger King, some were Hungry Jacks. Now they're all Hungry Jacks. But I tried Burger King many times when I was in the States. And, yep, I had the Whopper. It tastes the exact same as it is in Australia. <laughs> uh, we have a few different menu items, but all franchises were like that. But, yeah, literally Burger King in Australia is Hungry Jacks, and it tastes very similar. All right. All right. And uh, tell us one more. Uh, God. Oh, what is, what do you think is the proper ratio of Vegemite to toast on uh, on toast? There you go. <laughs> I made KM try this as well, and he was like, "What oh, the fuck is that?" <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's um the 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 trick is always when you meet someone not from Australia, you tell them to put a lot of Vegemite on, and then they take a, they take a bite and they're like, because it's full of salt. Um, yeah. but now nah, but you want to, you want to have a nice even spread. So it's not a thick layer. It's not even a thin layer. It's almost like, um, you can almost see the butter underneath. It's still a little bit, it's got to be an, like a really scarce layer so that, um, you can just taste the Vegemite cause Vegemite is strong, but fuck me. I, I took Vegemite with me to the States every time because I love my Vegemite on toast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The good stuff. Controversial question. Pineapple on pizza, what's your stance? 
I don't mind it. We have a flavor of pizza called Hawaiian. Do you have Hawaiian pizza? Yeah. Yes, we do. Which is, for us, is ham, tomato paste, cheese, and pineapple. Yep. Um, I love it. I'll, I'll eat a Hawaiian every day of the week. But I used to always get my um, my pizzas with pineapple on them, but then I found the pineapple flavor is too strong. It, over, it takes over the rest of the pizza. Mm. So, although, yes, I'm all for pineapple on pizza, I if I have my preference, I don't have it. But I'm not against it. What's your spirit Pokemon? What's my spirit Pokemon? Yeah. Holy shit. Um, my favorite Pokemon was always Snorlax, but I hate sleeping, so that's definitely not it. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit, I don't know. What's, um, what's a, like, madman, like Mark Merrow? What's a wild man? What's a Pokemon like that? Oh, oh, oh God. God. Um, there is one, like, Mark Merrow, but I can't remember his name. He's... Oh, like the boxing one? Oh, yeah, so like Hitmonchan or Hitmonlee? Yeah, but I'm sure, sure, like something that's just erratic. Like, I'm constantly not, on the uh, show, like, I don't what? stop. Like Machamp or Machoke? Yeah, but or I don't the one that are specifically like wrestlers? Mm. No, nah, what's the little kickboxing? It's like a kickboxing dude, but he's not yeah, real muscular. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, yeah, that, that's... Uh, no, is that, I think that's Hitman Lee. Hitman Lee, that's, yeah, maybe Hitman Lee. One that's uh, named after Bruce Lee. Yeah. That's it, there you go. There you go. But, <laughs> yeah. Um... What is a match that people should go out of their way to see that best shows off what JXT is all about? Um, oh, I'm one of those, like, you're always as good as your last match, so I'm always trying to keep it uh, current and recent. But um, it's not available on YouTube. It is on IWTV, though. Um, my match with Shazza McKenzie from DMDU Roll On, it's called. Um I feel like we nailed it. It was a great match. Didn't have a torn hamstring. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the first match of this year. It was in February, I think. But yeah, Deathmatch Down Under Roll-On. There's a match with Chaz and McKenzie I fucking love. There's a really old match I had with Will Ospreay that I still love to this day. Um, that's for free on YouTube. There's a JXT and Solo Darling match from Beyond Wrestling on YouTube, which um, I'm pretty proud of as well. But yeah, if you're definitely looking to, for a current and recent JXT match to show everything that I'm about, definitely Deathmatch Down Under Roll On on IWTV, uh, JXT and Shazza McKenzie. That's the one I'd show people. All right. And uh, the Will Ospreay and the Solo Darling match, uh, we'll put it in the description of the video below, but on YouTube and Cashbox, so people could go check it out after uh, this interview if they haven't already. Awesome. Alright, and since we're nearing the conclusion of this interview, we are wrestling with the eight questions of This is our no, no actual being to be incurred. This is our speed round, our bonus round the round where we see who you really are. Are you ready? Alright, so do I get one word answers or can I However you'd like to answer that. <laughs> okay. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Uh Stone Cold Steve Austin. Worst wrestler. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the response everyone gives. What's that big dude that uh, tried to punch a Tony Inoki in the back of the head heaps of times? And Inoki and, and kicks the shit out of him, that dude. I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember his I name. I can't remember his name. That's how yeah. shitty he is. Yeah, him. Oh. Well, the, the dude that punched New Jack in the face and New Jack stabbed him, that dude. <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt. Mass Transit? No. No, not Mass Transit. The other dude. The dude that just started punching Jack in the face. 
Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, I, 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 sorry. I, you're stopping wow. style I, no. with this trivia here. <laughs> and that's something to say. <laughs> yeah. Student of the game. Student of the game. You're main eventing WrestleMania for the World Championship. Who is your opponent? Oh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Too sweet. If you could come that's out to it. anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? It'd be Sandman at a one-night stand. Yeah. Easily. Finish the sentence. K-Fade is... Dead since Vince McMahon came out on TV and said it was dead. Because <laughs> I hate that. People would be like, oh, you're killing K-Fade. Well, you killed K-Fade. No, K-Fade's still alive. It's just changed. But if anyone's going to argue that you're killing the business by letting up a secret. Well, Vince McMahon came out on TV and just gave out everything. So don't blame me. Blame Vinnie Mac. <laughs> we also would have accepted K-Fabe is quite good on toast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just changed. Like, we have Twitter. I think, you know, so many wrestlers do a good example of it. Like, it's still there, and we all know. I think it's still there to an extent. It's just changed. It's changed very much of what, how you should treat it. I definitely agree, and I definitely love that answer. Yeah. Squash, fruit or vegetable? Fruit. Uh, that is correct. Correct. Uh, New Japan wrestler Taichi, his ranger gets smaller every year, revealing more of himself to the world. My question, what is the appropriate trunks to buck cheap ratio for ring gear? What is the appropriate trunks to wear from ring gear, did you say? The trunks to buck cheek ratio. Oh, um... It depends. Some some wrestlers at the moment with those garters are, are revealing quite a lot of cheek. <laughs> uh, I think it also depends on if you're wearing those under, like panio, like panios. What are those things? Like those um g-strings? No, uh, stockings. Yeah. Like the skin color stockings. <laughs> yes. Oh, space. If you're wearing them and you're showing a lot of cheek, it's not as bad because nothing's going to fall out. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think with wrestling in general, if you're, someone's paying to see a show, they're not coming to see things fall out. And that's not just people's asses, that's everything. <laughs> <laughs> you can go see that elsewhere if you want, but um, if you come to see wrestling, you should get wrestling. And the, and the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know. Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Dolby Out? About Darby Allen? Yes. Uh, no. The, sadly, AEW isn't on TV in Australia. Uh, it's on Toonami. Sorry? It's on Toonami. No, no, it's not It's not on TV in Australia. Hmm. I thought it was so like... you can watch it. You can watch it on Fight, on Fight TV. But like, you have to know about it and go find it. Like A local Australian isn't flicking the channels, even on, even on cable, and finding AEW. So sadly, the AEW region Australia isn't what it is. Obviously, your diehard wrestling fans know it, but um, yeah. It'll Tony, be, get on that. That is the correct answer. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this with us, AXT. Nah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast, and um, yeah, I love being What's on, the- and I love, always love clashing the cultures from uh, all the way down here in Australia. We love it too. We don't get nearly yes. as many people from. Um, around the world on as we'd like to, but it's always fun when we actually do. Um, well, we've had our fair share of Australian guests, so... Oh, for sure. Uh, could you tell us where we can find you on social media and everything that we need to know about JXT? Okay, so if you want to follow me or just know what I'm doing, check out 
at JXT underscore official. Three letters, JXT. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and like you guys said, I'm posting all the time, and my social media game is pretty strong. I'm posting as much as I can, as much, so you can see what I'm about, what I'm doing. Uh, I also, obviously, like you said, run a wrestling school here in Melbourne, the Relentless School of Pro Wrestling. They're at Relentless underscore SPW for School of Pro Wrestling. If you want to be a wrestler and you live in Australia, message me, message the school, and there is no tryout. All there, once you sign up and you rock up to your first session, we will get you started straight away. And if you also want to check out a show in Victoria, which will feature me, obviously, Deathmatch Down Under, or my own promotion that we run here, Mayhem Pro, which is at Mayhem Pro underscore. Um, between Mayhem Pro and Deathmatch Down Under, I'll be wrestling for Gippsland Pro Wrestling and Future Wrestling Australia currently. So check them out as well. And um, if you want some merch, wrestlermerch.com. And find JXT on there. It is very much like pro wrestling tees, but for Australians. And um, yeah, I've got a store on there. There's a bunch of different shirts you can buy. And um, yeah, help support me. Help support me so I don't have to work a real job, <laughs> or as I like to call it, my mark job. <laughs> uh, and of course, all your social medias. Uh, you have YouTube as well, JXTV, uh, um, yeah. and your school. All those links will be in the description of the video below for our YouTube and Castbox. Uh, and obviously your merchandise. You've been listening to him for almost an hour. Buy a damn short. Yeah, please. It would help me a lot. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment on YouTube and CastBox. Join us next Wednesday uh, as we interview uh, Chelsea uh, Durden. Uh, of course, all of this is sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One Coffee. You can follow the show at Wrestling with Eep or on Twitter on Instagram. You can follow me at JamesJ993. You can follow Kaliko at IamKaliko. And what can they follow Scooter on social media as well? Briefly. You can always find me on Twitter at ScooterDust. You can always find the live alternate commentary sidecast, the remix on YouTube with me and James. And, of course, you can find me on Twitch along with Rico Constantino Jr. and the rest of the Smoking Dragons clan, twitch.tv backslash Smoking Dragons. Now, uh, JXT, when I say wrestling wit, you say entertainment. Easy. For our very special guest, JXT, Coleco Yacht, Scooter Dust, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling Wit. Entertainment. Hey guys, this is Brutal Bob Evans from Hangs with Bob Seminars and TheWrestleLife.com, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. Hey folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Enjoy the show, support these guys. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.